going about your daily life, a good job, living fairly comfortably and doing okay financially. But what do we do if you're not particularly happy or you're not feeling fulfilled? Hello and welcome to the Ultra Running Podcast with me, Coach Marshy. I hope you are all well. So we're going to bring in today's guest. So I'd like to welcome Ian to the show. How are you, Ian? Hey, everybody. Uh, Yes, I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you. A beautiful, sunny afternoon here in Santiago, Chile. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, I'm sure everyone in the UK who's listening to this will be um, very jealous of that right now (laughs) as we're uh, covered in rain and wind. So... No, I'm sure you're you're lapping the sun up. So, Ian, just just before we get into anything, let's talk about who you are, where you're from, and sort of what your background is on a day to day basis. Fantastic. Um, my name's Ian Morgan. Originally from New Zealand, born and bred, uh, but now living in Spain in um, a town called Sigis, just south of Barcelona. But I spend a bit of time also in Chile. Um, where my wife is from, and um, we spend the summers in Chile, basically, and the spring and summers in Europe, uh, in the racing season. Um, at the moment, um, I've made it to 51 years old, hopefully 52 this year. Uh, we'll see how we go. Um, but yeah, that's that's a basic rundown. Um, simple, normal, average Kiwi guy, just doing what I love. So I'm sure we'll dive into it and unpack it as we go, but sort of give us a brief overview of your kind of running journey, if you like. When did it kind of start and and what was it that got you you into the running world? Yeah, good question. Um, To be honest, I'm not one of those natural-born running people. Um, I I ran in high school, did uh, school athletics, cross-country, and then basically late teens, early 20s, stopped everything. Started running again in my mid-40s, about 43, 44, I guess. Um, And for two years, it's like, um, uh, you know, it was a lot of hit and miss kind of stuff. So um, injury, getting into it, but not like the passion that I, I, it grew as I I ran more, I guess, the, the passion that I have now. So, yeah, in between that, uh, I was very unfit, got overweight, uh, had numerous health issues, and um, here I am today doing this full time, uh, traveling and running around the world at 51. So, yeah, the, I guess uh, a lot of people want to know how did I get from uh, point A to point B. Uh, that's the one I get asked uh, the most about. So, that's what we're here today to find out. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, obviously I, I connected with you via social media and, um, you know, looking through your posts and reading reading them in depth and, and going right back, you can get a good kind of feel for where you might have come from. But just before we really unpack it and dive into it, just sort of explain um, where you started from in terms of health and, and, and who you were back then as a kind of more of a businessman, everyday job. Go for it. Okay. So, yeah, um, about 40, 43 years old, I started running, 
before that, uh, probably two to three years, um, we, I, I was under like a lot of stress. We'd had a series of earthquakes in New Zealand. Um, uh, I've been fighting insurance companies, etc., in court for a, about two and a half years. Um, it was just, you know, like um, a very difficult time. I like going through a separation, then an eventual divorce. Um, you know, a lot of um, we'd lost our family home as well in the earthquake, um, as well as, as some of our, our properties and business. So it was just a really stressful, difficult time. And, you know, um, I was overweight. I didn't do any exercise. And I mean, nothing. Uh, if I could avoid walking to the car, you know, to get into the car, I, I would was one of those people that looked for the closest park at the supermarket or anywhere. So I didn't have to walk so far to my appointment or, or go shopping. So yeah, I was, I, you know, in my Instagram, I, I think I put sort of around 102 to 103 kgs. But to be honest, uh, I remember being at the doctors once and I was, you know, getting up sort of around 109 um, on the scales. And, um, you know, possibly I just had a big lunch as well, um, which looks quite different to the lunches I have now. Um, so, yeah, I was this overweight guy. I mean, you know, the world I was in was, was um, not a lot of sleep a lot of stress, eating poorly, sleeping poorly, um, no exercise. And it, it was basically a, a one-way ticket to health problems. And eventually, I would say, an early grave in regards to uh, my family history of, of um, heart issues and, and health issues. So, yeah, to set the stage, uh, I, I was an overweight, unfit business guy uh, that really just didn't take care of a lot of aspects uh, of my life so let's say 100 you know between 100 and 209 kilos whatever you were what what kind of height are you just to give the guys some some perspective on that as well so 187 centimeters so about six one um, yeah so i didn't look too bad for for the height i was but yeah i mean obviously you could see there was um some issue most of the weight was around my middle so yeah and to dive into that little intro then that i mentioned i talked about um and and i'm quoting you here off one of your posts so i hope you don't mind that i i looked into that depth and you know you you, you use the term not particularly happy and not fulfilled although yeah. you were doing okay and you were financially okay to sort of unpack that a little bit what did that what does that mean in more depth you know where were you at mentally with that yeah. Uh, when I would say happy, I mean, obviously, you know, I love my kids and uh, my friends and my family and, and all those things. So um, it, it wasn't like this, this terrible dread of like, I didn't like anyone around me. What it basically was, was, a, um, I guess, an inward examination of who I was and, and what I was doing with my life and how I didn't really like myself. I, I was pursuing something that I wasn't passionate about, that I wasn't really interested in. But I was doing it out of a sense of, uh, I don't know, um, obligation, what I'd sort of been raised to believe, societal, I, don't know, I wouldn't say pressures, but societal norms. Uh, and, and there's nothing wrong with any of those things. There's nothing wrong with being a business person. There's nothing wrong with working hard for money or wealth or whatever you want. I've got no issue with that whatsoever. But it wasn't what I was passionate about. I wasn't interested in it. And, and it was just basically, I'd created this, 
it's like this world of it's a cage i guess and it wasn't a cage but i uh, metaphorically metaphorically a cage that i put myself into you know i had to do this to produce this to pay all these bills to maintain this lifestyle to to continue down this path and i just wasn't happy with it and you know um it, it wasn't the cage that i built it was me the fact that i built it myself i was trapping myself in this this sort of this dogma of, of doing these things and it was like you know when you're digging a hole that you you don't want to be in stop digging and you know yeah i guess there was that moment that came when i said man i, I just gotta stop digging and and figure out what's going on here with me and and i think that was it it was more uh, internal uh self unhappiness than anything else around me and in my day job i work with a lot of people around sort of weight loss and and sort of lifestyle change and we talk about light bulb moments so when you're digging that hole um and you decide it's time was there anything particular or was it just time to move and change the way you were going yeah i mean uh, as i mentioned before the the earthquakes was, was it put so much stress on me and and it made me examine that I'd spent so many years working for all these things uh, to build up. And then within 10 seconds of, of, you know, an earthquake, most of what I had was taken away. And, and I thought, well, I'll be fine because I have all these insurances. And then I learned that the rules change when the, the, the amounts of money get bigger. And, you know, what you think you're covered for in, in life changes in an instant. And it really made me examine what I thought was safe and secure and all the planning in the world could basically, you could have the rug pulled from underneath, uh, underneath you at any moment. And I think, you know, I think probably we could all relate to that with COVID um, and, and the pandemic over the last few years, um, that things can change that we have no control over. So, so the earthquakes taught me this and they made me really like uh, examine how I thought about my life, what I thought was safe and secure and, what was important was to make the most of each moment. You know, um, we we lost uh, in the city, there were about 100, and, uh, correct me if um, I'm wrong, I, I'm sorry, Christchurch residents, about 183 uh, lives were lost and a lot of people injured, permanent injuries with things falling on them. And, you know, know some of the people that died. And um, this was like, you know, in an instant, those people were living their lives. Everything was planned. Everything was set. They were going to retire at um, 65, et cetera, et cetera. And then like that, everything changes, you know? And I thought, man, um, am I living the life that I would, if that happened, you know, again, at any moment, would I actually have done the things I wanted to do in my life? And the answer was no. And, and, and on so many levels. Um, and I didn't really like who I was as a person after that that happened that that earthquake sort of triggered something you know it's like it shook something inside of me that said man you're not really living you're existing you're functioning but you're not living so that's when sort of the the clock started I guess and it, it took a few years obviously um just like a slow fuse burned away and um then it came to a moment um probably about uh, three, four years down the track after the quakes, um, about three years down the track where I had sort of a light bulb moment. And um, just remind us, the, the the quakes were what, was that about 2010? Uh, yeah, 2010, 2011. So, yeah. 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 And, uh, okay, so 
lots to unpack here, but it's great. Um, let's go with what you said about the the park, like the car park in the in the supermarket, and you'd be the guy that that was going to be in the nearest place to the door, right? So yeah. let's bear that in mind, and let's jump all the way to where you are now and what you do right now. So, what is it that you do right now in okay. terms of? Uh, yeah, well, it's quite different to the, to that guy. Uh, I'm now full time uh, ultra runner. I, I I guess you could say influencer. I, I don't, you know, it's, it's not my kind of term because I don't influence anyone. I just tell my story. Um, but in social media speak, uh, yeah, influencer. Um, we work with some brands, etc. But but the main thing that I do is travel the world and run and ultra distance events, which is anything over a marathon distance, so anything over twenty six point two miles or forty two k's. Um, and that can be from 50K, 100K, 200K, um, 100 milers, uh, whatever, um, on mountains and deserts, through forests, pretty much anywhere. I'll give it a go. So at the risk of sounding like a fanboy, how many 100 milers have you done? <laughs> Not so many, actually. Um, I think a couple uh, for the 100 milers. Um, the stage races, I've done more. There's so like 250K, um, 270K, these kinds of things where you run like, you know, a set distance each day to, and then you camp in, a, in a, a tent and then you run from that tent to the next campsite the next day. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a work in progress. Lots more 100Ks, to be honest. So... If, if we look at it from a kind of perspective of you obviously lost a lot of weight, um, anyone who follows you on social media will know that. But not just that, from that guy in the, in the car park, closest space, to doing these multi-day events, you know, stage races, 100 milers, what was the main kind of mindset shift and, and how did it happen on a really basic layman's level? Well, uh, the mindset shift came from living so much in the past and in the future in my sort of old life if we could call it that to living in the moment in this this new part of my life this new section so rather than planning for everything that was going to happen uh and uh sort of berating or examining everything that uh myself or examining everything that had happened in my life i just thought man i've got to experience what today offers and, and really immerse myself in that experience. So if it's a, a training session that sucks and, and I don't feel it, it's like I, I, I'm there, you know, I, I get through it. I, I do what I need to do. And then I leave it in that day. I don't go over and examine everything and relive it and say, oh, now I'm not going to be able to do this because of this. I just deal with what I have to do in the moment. So I think really, um, you know, it's about, for me, um, going from a, a place of um, living in all these different sort of um, uh, future selves and past selves to just being me now. Like in the moment, yeah? Yeah, totally in the moment, yeah. Yeah, no, that's cool. And I'd imagine that's something that a lot of people would love to master, but actually probably is it's quite difficult. Like you say, your future self, you've got this vision and then you've got the past that, that obviously affects you and plays on your mind and can influence. And, you know, I'm, I'm someone who's very much probably there in that world of past and future selves um, yes. and probably need to live in the moment a bit more. And listening to you there, actually, 
I know you have three or four clients that I've spoke to in the last seven days that would benefit from that. And they're not even runners. And yeah. it's, it's, it's like a mindset shift. So that's really interesting to hear. But in terms of, so like the British way, if you like, is when you become a runner, you do the whole couch to 5k, then you do a 10k and then you do a half marathon, and then a marathon. And then yes. to be honest, other than the last decade, there's not really been much beyond the marathon in this, this part of the world for us in the UK, but that's really changed in the last sort of three years. Um, it's become a lot more widely available. You know, the, the long-term races have always been here, I guess the ultras, but they have now entered our world more often. So we're finding that here in the UK, we've got a lot more people getting involved in the ultra marathon world. So did you go through that conventional kind of step-by-step -step process or was it a bit different? Yeah. Um, yeah, I actually did do the, the conventional thing, the kind of, um, you know, 5K, 10K, joined a running group, did a half marathon, uh, full marathon. Um, so, yeah, I, I went through that conventional process. Uh, funny story, my, my uh, uh, wife, Fran, she kind of did the opposite. She started with the 5, 10K and then just went straight to ultras. So. <laughs> Um, fantastic brilliant why not absolutely why not um yeah and you know i think this is the main uh the the point uh that it's quite important is it doesn't really matter whether you do it progressively i mean that's obviously advised a lot of coaches will say that's advised and and mostly because the the physiological changes so your body can adapt to the stresses etc however some people uh, just naturally jump in at the deep end and if that works for them then then that's okay as well um, not recommending sort of either path but certainly for me it, it, it was a, a slow steady work in progress um, the first few years was you know uh, a series of mishaps mistakes injuries and learning a steep learning curve before I sort of got the hang of what my body was capable of and, and what I could do to um, uh, push it and, and develop it further. Yeah, no, I, I, I know one or two, I think two people that didn't do a marathon and a half. They sort of went 10K to ultra first and then went back and, and did that bit. But obviously it sounds like your wife did that as well. So that's um that's a really interesting perspective as well that you say about, um you know, the important part of that and the physiological changes that the body has to go through in your training, sort of where you're at now or as a, as a kind of professional ultra runner, what is your kind of hours per week just to give some perspective? Yeah. Well, I use my, uh, my coach, Scotty Volker, or I should say he trains me. Um, and he's a professional ultra uh, runner as well, uh, although he's at an elite level. Uh, I think second at CCC, third at UTMB, this kind of thing. So he's, um, yeah, he's, he's a top-notch bloke too. He's also a Kiwi, so that helps. Um, understand my language, I should say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or what we're saying. Um, so, yeah, my training um, on an average training block, uh, I'll be looking at about between 100 to 140 kilometers a week running, um, a little bit of walking, maybe some cross training. Um, it kind of depends where I'm at in the world and, and what's available at the time. Um, obviously, when we're in Spain, we, we live next to the ocean, so we, we go down to the beach most days and do a little bit of swimming. That helps too. So uh, strength training about five times a week. Um, and 
when I say strength training, it's not like an hour in the gym each day. It, it's like, um, uh, you know, like um, general maintenance work because because I've built a lot of the inherent uh, strength that I've, I've needed to do. You don't, once you get to that uh, point, you don't need to like keep building more because you just break your body down. So it's basically a, a maintenance mode. And then when I'm training for a specific event, uh, my coach will adjust that to like suit the event. So um, probably one hard session will be like once a week. Um, and the other four are going to be like uh, maintenance core stuff. Um, uh, some, you know, basic free weights, but nothing too stressful uh, just to maintain. Yeah, so, I mean, my, my, my background is is strength training and strength conditioning a lot. So um, with that one hard session, yeah. is that sort of, is there any Olympic lifting involved? Is there any sort of um, kind of heavy lifting involved? Yeah, it's, lifting? it's more low rep, high high weight. Um, it's like really putting some stress on the body. Um, it, it, and it, it depends on the event, like I said, too. Um so I do more runner-specific strength training. So, so the strength training I would do for a marathon would be different than the strength training I would do for a, a 100K ultra with 7,000 meters of, of climbing because the stresses are different. Um, um, so, yeah, the, the heavy session is, is one a week. If I was starting from like a point of coming back from injury or, or, or some issue, then... Um, yeah, it would start light, but there will probably be a couple of heavier sessions in there a week for, you know, sort of around a four to six week period to like really like get some gains going and then go back into a maintenance mode. Because something I've learned from my own, you know, like each client is different, obviously, from my own experience is um, you have to find that balance for your body between strength training that benefits your running and you know, overdoing the strength training, then your running suffers or vice versa, overdoing the running and then the strength training suffers. So it's like, it's, it's walking this line uh, in the, in the race season of where everything fits. And I think that's really about knowing yourself and knowing how your body works. Um, obviously I would recommend getting regular blood tests too, because that's going to tell you like a lot of things about what's going on. Uh, with your muscles with your all all your operating systems basically yeah and i think i think when you say you know you mentioned the other four sessions being so one would be quite a heavy session say or a longer session are the other ones sort of made up of lots of body weight and core work yeah and yeah, um, exactly obviously body weight goes anywhere that you are um yeah. and you can do that in 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 any place you're staying i guess or in any part of the world so yeah cool um I mean, I could go to, we could go to town on that, but we won't, we won't get into it's, depth exactly. And, and it's like stressing different things, obviously, you know, you know, yourself, uh, um, you know, push exercise, pull exercises, uh, uh, working different muscles, you know, extension, uh, contraction, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it's, you know, I'm not an expert in this area. So, so I can only like, I get, just get a program and then I do this and then I do a little bit of research about why I'm doing it. Um, and then I say, okay, that's what I've got to do. Um, otherwise, I think with all the information out there on strength and conditioning and, and uh, runners and what are the right mobility exercises, you can get lost in the noise and actually, you know, try to do a bit of everything 
because there's always new information coming out too about what's best and what's not. And then you don't actually get anything done because you're always trying to, and I'm not saying you shouldn't learn, but like you have to like follow through, be consistent with, with the program. If you're getting the results you're what you're after, then it's working. If you're not, then you have a word to your coach. And if it's a good coach, they'll adjust it to suit. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I echo all of that. And and as a coach as well to a, to a local running club that I founded here, I do a lot of their strength work and, and we very much look at every single individual. And I think as an athlete for you, do you find it important to know why you're doing what you're doing? Yeah. I mean, obviously it's like I follow what my coach says, but he asks for feedback. You know, so every week we have a chat about what's happening, even after each session. Um, if something's not quite right, I'll, I'll send him a message and, and he'll adjust. And so we, we look at it, you know, on a, I wouldn't say daily basis, but certainly a, a weekly recap of, of how the body is, how it's feeling. And then he can sort of look, look at that and say, okay, so over this sort of like four to six week block or eight week block, we want to be here, but we're here or we're here. Um, what do we need to adjust to to change that? So it's it's really about yeah questioning. Are you getting the results you want? If you're not, what do you feel yourself needs to change? And and what can you ask you know your coach or other professionals? And and when I say just your coach, like obviously ask your doctor to ask your physio, get different inputs, but don't. Every time I, I find this, especially with new runners, every time someone says, do this, hey, look at this, this is the latest thing. They're like, you know, all over here, over here. And you, with any kind of training, you do need some consistency. And I think consistency with feedback and making those adjustments to, to see what works. But um, don't chase the next big thing um, all the time. Otherwise, you're just going to end up going nowhere. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I mean, there's so much, so much good information there. And I think what I've always told my, my clients, and I don't say that it has to be me, but I say kind of when you're new to running, be a sponge, absorb everything, and yeah. then go to someone that is your go-to guru, like your head coach or whatever you are, and ask them what they think about that. And then exactly. try and work out what bits work for you and what doesn't, because, like you said, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a can of worms the internet when it comes to the S and C and the and and the running advice out there now as well. You know, do we run fast to go fast, or do we run slow to go fast, or how how do we do it? And exactly, you know, there's lots there. I so, mean, I well, think you know yourself. There's a lot of uh, you know, like um, basics, like like with any sport or activity or anything you do. There, there's some basics that if you do them well, they're going to build a good foundation. So if if you stick to mostly those and then fine tune the rest, you you're probably going to you know most of the time be okay. Yeah, no, wicked. Great, great advice. Love it. Um, so in terms of, I'm going to jump to a question that I normally ask right at the end, but let's go on your journey where you kind of decided it was time to go to ultra running. So yeah. where, however you got to that point, what made you decide that you were going to do ultra running? Was it something that you kind of seen and been inspired by in the media? Was it that you knew someone else doing it or was it kind of just a natural next step? Which would you say was kind of, how would you categorize it? Uh, I'd be lying if I, if I said I wasn't drawn to the crazy people uh, <laughs> in the sport. Um, yeah, it, it was just like, a, like I said, my running was a progression. So the, the 5K, the 10K, 21 marathon. And, and I think I'd run, you know, 
three, four marathons and I thought, okay, do I get faster at these? That That's a possibility. And I, I realized it will be a lot of work and that's fine. Um, but then, you know, obviously being in that, that marathon world, you start to bump into some ultra runners that use them for, for training and, and keep their sort of foot in the road scene. Um, and I thought, man, like these guys are running like beyond, you know, I mean, running a marathon, you think, man, that's tough. And it is. And physically it's probably tougher than a 50 K or even a hundred K in the sense of the, the pace you have to hold on the road. Um, and maintain especially the faster you go that you know it's, it's, it's tough um so i thought man this is this is fascinating these guys i'm talking to are from all walks of life that are running these ultras that they're, they're like this is nutty go what should say guys woman people folks uh everyone, yeah, no, I, you know? I, I, use, I use that language as well i use guys is everyone yeah so, so that's that's a kiwi thing too it's like guys yeah so it's like man these people are like a little nutty a little crazy a little on edge but they're like the nicest people they're like so cool and they're they're usually quite um subdued people um they're quite quiet they keep to themselves and they just go out and do this amazing stuff in these amazing places and i thought this this just fascinated me what what is what makes them tick and what what are my limits i started to think man so that's the marathon but but what's i i know you know after running i think three or four and this isn't coming from a place of like ego or, or, or any male sort of crap like that. It's just like, okay, so I know I can, you know, on any given day, I could go out and run one of these. So what's the challenge in it now to get faster? Okay. But what's something that I know I can't do? What's something that I don't know if I'm going to get to the end. And I thought ultras. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And just to call you out on, on what you said earlier, you know, you talked about, your past self, your future self, and not being in the moment. When you're in an ultra race, do you feel like that is the absolute kind of pinnacle of that description? You are in the moment. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's like the moment is it's what's happening right now is your life. That's it. You're not thinking about well, when I get to the finish, I got to have a shower, and I got to make sure I do this, and I uh, and you know next week I've got this bill to pay. It's like all of that goes everything, and and you're just there. And you can be in a place of a lot of pain. It can be hungry. You can be cold. It can be three in the morning, <laughs> raining on top of a mountain. You're in that moment. You're not thinking that far ahead other than getting to the next aid station or, or the next checkpoint. And, and you know, okay, that's that's my thing. So you you really are, I don't know, I really feel more alive in in, in an ultra and a race where I, I just am completely focused on, and, and engrossed in what I'm doing. That's it. There's nothing outside of that. Yeah. No, uh, brilliant. Love that. It's, um, I can relate, but probably nowhere near to what you can relate, but I can relate to that from doing an ultra marathon. And I think anyone, anyone who's listening will know that literally in that moment you are, there's a little bit of survival going on a little yeah, bit of survival sure. instinct. And you know, you can't be anywhere else. You, you are living in that moment and, you see the scenery that's around you. You might be hallucinating or talk to talk to <laughs> someone that isn't really there or whatever's going yeah, on. Yeah, been mind. there, done that. Yeah, yeah. So I think you know, there's plenty of stories that that you hear about where people, are, you know, being chased by various things in the forest, and actually there was nothing really there, or yeah. it was it was their wife or 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 their their partner. So you know, I think 
yeah, no, great. Being in the moment is really important. So you touched on it as well. What do you think to our kind of ultra running community? Sorry, the ultra running community? Yeah. yeah what, do you, what do you think? You sort of touched on it and, and what do you think about it? Yeah, it's incredible, man. Um, it, it's it's one of the reasons uh, I sort of got into the sport and have like continued in it and stayed in it and, and embraced it even more because the the variety of people that you meet um the the i don't know there's just uh something that's that's intangible that that about ultra runners that that i'm really drawn to um i mean my 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 wife fran is an ultra runner too and i think you you know you get excited about talking about doing these things that other people would think it's horrible. You know, like you were going along, you'd fallen over, you cut your knee open. It's like say raining, cold, dark, whatever. Um, you know, maybe you've fallen down a bank, maybe you've uh, broken something and you start talking with these people and everyone's swapping these stories and talking about it, like with some kind of perverse joy. <laughs> and, yeah. and I think, man, this is like, super cool uh, and maybe maybe it's a thing maybe ultra runners are actually mentally a little unstable i don't know but um if that's the case then hey i'm happy so <laughs> so um one of the obvious questions to would ask at this point is what did your wife think about it but she's clearly she's clearly in that game as well and um, but what what do your family think about it what does your wife and and your kind of immediate family around you think of that yeah, certainly uh, my wife, well, I would say she's probably more so than me. She's like the most determined ultra runner person I know. Uh, she she will go into a race, um, you know, under-trained, not necessarily fully prepared, and, and she will finish it. And she will finish it regardless. Like, I'm talking, like, yeah. Um, yeah. She'll just push through pretty much anything. I've seen her do some amazing stuff. So... Yeah, she's on board. Um, in regards to the rest of the family, well, uh, my mum, uh, um, who, who's uh, passed away now, she she was always worried, always worried. Um, you know, it, it, it worried her um, and stressed her out quite a bit, I think. I always had to call her or message her after any, any event to let her know I was safe. Um, yeah, my brothers and sisters, I mean, they've, they've accepted it now. They're used to it. Um, my kids are like they worry um how, how old are your kids uh kids um from sort of like early 20s to 30s yeah so, so, so they absolutely kids. can comprehend what's going on yeah yeah totally totally so um yeah they, they're all grown up kids now uh it's not their their scene so you know they're just like oh that's just something like dad does and it's crazy and um, you know, given I think the the health things I had with COVID and whatever, they they got a bit worried and were like, well, maybe you should like ease off a bit now. And, and it's like, well, I don't think so. Um, but yeah, I mean, generally everyone's supportive of it. They they've accepted it's what makes me happy. I think that's probably the most uh, uh, important thing, and, and it's the easiest way to describe it. But you know. Um, People outside that world, um, friends that I've had that knew me in my previous life, they just think I'm nuts. Yeah. And uh, do, do you have any barriers with that? Are they are they still close friends or or have they kind of drifted? Yeah, no, they're still friends. They, they just accept it. It's like, yeah, okay, well, he's happy. He's doing what he loves to do, um, you know. So, I mean, obviously you lose some people along the way. Uh, people just don't. I mean, I, I, 
I mean, and it's not I've lost people. I've changed in quite a lot of ways uh, moving into this world. I, I live a, a lot more of a nomadic existence. I don't have this like, uh, you know, work in the office five, six days a week or whatever, um, you know, have a, um, a regular sort of like lifestyle. Now my weekends are spent a lot of the time at, at training. I'm traveling a lot. Um, um, you know, uh, my training schedule doesn't allow for like, you know, I uh, go out to a party and stay till two uh, in the morning. You know, um, I, I'm thinking about getting up for a run at five. Uh, so, so you know, um, yeah, you lose a certain social aspect of it, and and that sort of falls away. But that's more because I, I've changed more than than anyone else has necessarily. And um, quick comparison of the two lifestyles: Are you are you much happier now? Do you, do you prefer this lifestyle? Is it a great lifestyle, or is it one that we yeah, for sure? Stop I mean, I've gone from owning like houses and cars and bikes and toys and whatever to to nothing. Like, I, I don't have a house. I don't have a car. I don't have a bicycle. I don't even have. I don't have a kayak. I don't have a. I don't have a TV uh, or anything like this. So, you know, um, I I've I've basically gone from. The, the dream of having everything that most people, you know, would, would say, man, why? <laughs> why did you get rid of everything to having nothing? But it's, I don't know, for me, it's like unburdening, my, unburdening myself from the, the things that were holding me uh, back. Not, not anyone else, obviously. Like, um, I mean, you know, I still have an iPhone and a, and a Mac and a whatever. But, um, yeah, for me, this, this sort of like nomadic free lifestyle just really suits me at this point in my life yeah no that's really cool that i'd imagine you know there'll be people that will listen to this and are in the ultra world that would have aspirations to do that and you keep giving all these little anecdotal stories that are brilliant because they actually you're showing us how you've done it um i don't know if you realize that when you're talking through your story but there's so much there from your experience that is just saying to me oh yeah how important is that really is it really yeah. important? Whereas, you know, particularly there, you say about getting up at 5am to go for a run. To be honest, uninjured Neil, that is my, that's my definition of fun. Yeah. Saturday morning, I want to be out there running. And by nine o'clock, I've done, I've done 20 odd miles or so. And the rest of the world's just crawling out of bed with a hangover. I, I actually <laughs> exactly. love that. That's, that's, that's quality. So yeah. Um, couple of, couple of kind of, timely things around the time of recording this so um here we are in march 2021 and on the day of recording we're we're the day after the barclay marathon finished um yeah. i don't know if you kept up with it at all um yeah. but what, what what do you think to the barclay marathon is it something that you you would go and look at well that's that's a whole ne uh, next level kind of insanity um it's i mean no one finished again this year um i think they got the the guys did that, I think four loops, was it? Or they finished on the fourth loop this time. Yeah. Um, four loops, yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it's not on my radar because it's so different, but it's certainly something I would consider doing at some point in the future. More is a like um, you know, once I've got this the the standard type of races out of my system, I, I just like something challenging that seems just impossible. Uh I, I mean it just sounds like a suffer fest of of bashing around in the woods, uh, trying to keep your wits about you, figuring out what, you know, um, 
your directions where you need to go next, find the next page to, to give you, you know, your, your uh, instructions on where to go. Um, getting cold, getting cut by plants and, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, a little crazy. But, yeah, it's, it's something that uh, I would like to give a go, uh, you know, over the next several years for sure. Is, is there any, do you know if there's many Kiwis that have attempted it? No, no, to be honest, I, I don't know. I don't know. Has there ever been a Kiwi finisher? I don't know if there has been. No, I don't think there has been, no. No. So, okay, and then other sort of relevant topics, uh, COVID, you know, the pandemic. You, you're this ultra runner, but yeah. yet you ended up in hospital with COVID. I certainly did, yes, yes. So um, do you want to give us a little bit of a, a story on that? Because, you know, people might have this perception from the media or whatever that, it's the unhealthy that are struggling with COVID. But actually, you're an ultra runner. You're one of the fittest guys alive. <laughs> you know, you, surely you can't get in hospital from COVID, but you did. So what what happened? Exactly. Well, actually, interesting, directly related to that question is um, that the doctor that was treating me said, we do tend to see athletes that get it, like fit athletes. If they do get it, they usually get it quite bad but for a shorter space of time. So they tend to recover reasonably quickly and bounce back um, without any long-term side effects or, or, or issues. Um, so, um, yeah, I guess it was just genetics, you know, uh, who knows? There could be any, they, the, the doctor said it's, it's just one of those things, but um I've been running quite a bit at the time, had quite a stressful year, 2020, obviously the, the start of the pandemic, lots of things going on. Um, got quite, yeah, quite sick. And, and I caught COVID. I got tested. I knew I had it, but I didn't go and get treated. I thought, okay, you know, once again, you know, it's kind of a, an, I, I applied the ultra runner thing of just work through it and you'll be fine rather than actually realizing I was getting sicker that I, I was getting a fever. And by the time I got into hospital, you know, I'd already got pneumonia in my lungs. So I'd, I'd left it, you know, way too long. Uh, I should have gone into sick treatment a lot earlier. So, you know, my fault, not like um, COVID and, and not like really to do with the fitness side of things. Um, so yeah, I let it go on too long. Um, because I was training quite a bit at the time, um, the doctor also explained my immune system is is like on an edge you know he said like you're, you're pushing your body i mean for example the day i started to really feel sick and get fever um the the day before i'd done like a 35k run and i wasn't feeling right and i knew i wasn't feeling right but i just went out and did it you know uh, 30 35k something like this so you know my body was already like trying to recover from that and a week of training in a hundred odd Ks, whatever. And I wasn't feeling right. So, so my immune system was already like at near its, its limit because it's always trying to recover and repair. And then, yeah, I got sick. Uh, I didn't take care of myself and ended up in hospital. Um, to say that within sort of three days of being in hospital, um, uh, just on oxygen, not on a ventilator or anything, and and some um, uh, steroid medication, some very basic medication actually that they they gave me. Uh, I bounced back pretty quickly. Um, so normally the stay at that point in time in the COVID ward I was in was 
an average of between 14 to 30 days for most people. I was out in seven. So, so they, they said by about day five, they said, look, you, you basically, we've got to keep you here for a minimum of seven days. It's like policy. Um, so, so I just basically, um, you know, I did push-ups and stuff <laughs> in my isolation room uh, while I was waiting. Um, that's not to say it took a few months to sort of come back to full fitness, but um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. I I've had pneumonia before when I was younger, so maybe there's like some uh, predisposition that, that uh, I sort of have like a, some kind of uh, a genetic uh, thing towards it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I recovered to bounce back and I haven't had it since. So there you go. No, cool. Yeah, no, that answers my next question about how it went. And uh, it, you obviously, you obviously fully fit now and, and yeah. firing on all cylinders again. So um, in terms of a couple more questions then, just to kind of round this off. So for, for someone who's coming into the ultra world, I would, I would imagine their experience of our community is what you can see on YouTube and Netflix and, and whatever else. So in terms of like a bigger race that the majority of people would know what, you know, have you, you've been in UTMB, you've been in CCC or, you know, what races have you sort of done? Oh, wow. Um, uh, well, in regards to UTMB, it's actually my first year this year, CCC I'll be running, uh, mainly because it got put off for the pandemic. It was meant to be 2020, then 21. Even though they ran it, uh, I was like, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know if it's going to go ahead or not. So I, I deferred it again. But yeah, uh, I'm going this year. Um, so yeah, hopefully uh, we'll get that one ticked off. All being well, like whatever's going on in Europe now, let's hope that uh, things yeah. resolve themselves before then. Yeah. Um, so um, other races that people would know, Boston Marathon, I guess, uh, in regards to the road side of things, ultra-wise, um, Levadado, Ultra de Pirineu, um, let me think. Uh, what other races have we done? Madeira. Madeira, Ultra Trail, um, a lot of... Yeah. Aiga. Uh, Aiga Ultra Trail. I don't know. I mean, I I should keep track of them better, actually. Um, yeah, no, we've cool. done. That's really cool. Yeah, we've done a lot of the like Ultra Trail. Well, it's not Ultra Trail World Tour now, is it? A lot of the, those sort of um, known Ultra Trail uh, races on the on the circuit. Yeah. And on that note, then, if there was a bucket list race or two that you would like to do, what have you got? Any bucket list race? Yeah, um, most of them. <laughs> uh, UTMB, obviously, the, the 170 uh, around Mont Blanc. Um, and that, that will be like, I wanted to do CCC first to basically a course reconnaissance. Um, so do sort of like most of it. Uh, so UTMB, um, the main race there. Mm, doing the Valderan 100 mile this year as well which is one i wanted to do i only started it last year but i uh, did the 55 but I, I wanted to the 100 mile like loops the valley so that that looks amazing too um probably do mds the uh, marathon de sable the desert race because i did a desert stage race in dubai a 270k race and i, I just loved it uh absolutely loved it i I think I lost most of my toenails, but I enjoyed the experience so much. And running in the desert on the sand is an entirely different uh, experience. 
So yeah, I think those ones and and the funnily enough the marathon world major uh, races just because I'm an ultra runner, but I like to do like one marathon a year. So I thought, well, why not? You know, like do the majors. So um, yeah. So you've done you done Boston already. You have you got any of the others ticked off already? You done London? No, no, no. But I'm apparently I'm a good for age group for the London, and I I just run a. I ran the Barcelona Marathon, which isn't one of them, but I ran it end of last year. And I I, I just came off an ultra, actually, uh, in some races, and I knocked out, like, a, a 250. So I thought, wow, if I actually trained, I can, like, get all the good-for-age um, uh, time yeah, entries yeah. for these, these races. So I just thought, well, I might as well just do that. So I'll, I'll focus each year on, like, running one of those and running that race to get the time to qualify to get into the next one. So yeah, London, Paris, obviously the European ones, uh, Berlin to get done first and then um, uh, hop over to the US and then uh, finish probably in Tokyo at some point. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, you, I think you've probably done the hardest one to get into in terms of Boston anyway. So it's hard to qualify and it's hard to get in. So you've already ticked that one off. Um, this question I really like. You can be as short or as long as you need to be. But what okay. does running mean to you? Well, um, you know, for me, it's become a lifestyle. So it's more than something I, I do. It's it's actually my lifestyle. I mean, how cool is that? I, I, I couldn't even imagine that, like saying that a few years ago. Um, and... Um, the strangest part is, is I never set out for the, this to happen. This was not a plan. This was not a goal. It just kind of happened and I fell into it. But yeah, um, so if running for me is, is, I mean, a lot of people say it's their meditation, it's their time out, it's their, for their health, uh, for their um, mental and physical health. But yeah, for me, it's like, a, it's it's like brushing my teeth. It's like, having uh, sleeping it's like eating it's part of my lifestyle I, I i enjoy it so much uh that i can't imagine um it not being part of my day you know yeah yeah no, uh, absolutely. and and certainly there's a meditative aspect to it that that uh, i really enjoy especially with the ultra side um the training is taking me to some amazing places. I mean, right now I'm looking out here and about, you know, five kilometers away out the window here, there's the Andes mountains. Obviously if you push the apartment buildings aside a bit where I am, um, you know, and just over the back of that, um, there's the border to Argentina. You can see the highest mountain in South America, you know, it's over 6,000 meters. So, so like I, I can be out, um, out here, you know, within, 5k running on the road I'm, I'm at the foot of the andes and and i'm in the mountains um and and i will be doing that tomorrow morning so uh even better and i it just blows me away to to have the ability to be able to move my body to take me to these incredible places um you know yeah. um from, totally, from the europe totally relate. i relate to that massively yeah i mean from from the from like the you know the Peak District or the South Downs in, in the UK, the rolling hills, the countryside on, on like a misty day. It's just like has its own beauty. The the European Alps, the the Andes, Chilean Andes, the you know the the flat dry trails of um, uh, Californian um, uh, coast. Uh, 
it's just so many different experiences out there. So yeah, it's, it's like ingrained in my life so much now, my lifestyle that um, I just see it as being a, a, a part of what I do. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely hear everything you're saying there and I relate to that massively because I was asked that question once before, which is why I put it in the podcast. And um, yeah. my answer was um, the places that I end up going because of running, the experience I get, I'm there because of running, but it has absolutely nothing to do with running what I get out of it. Yeah, and, for sure. And, you know, you probably can relate to that a little bit as well. Exactly, because let's be honest, as, as a runner, if you just wanted the physiological changes, you could go and do this on a treadmill. I mean, you know, um, and you could run a lot less and actually probably um, get a, a much better uh, benefit without the wear on your body. But yeah, I mean, look at the experiences you have. Anyone that's been out in the outdoors, I think can relate to that. Yeah, no, hundred percent. So last question then. Um, I always ask a top three tips question. So the way I'm going to word yours is as follows. What top three tips would you give to someone who wants to make running a bigger part of their everyday life? Okay. Um, let's, let's say they're beginners or, or starting out. So, yeah. yeah um, so, yeah, I think start obviously is probably one of the, the biggest tips. It, a lot of people say, I'm not ready. Uh, you just got to start where you are, start from where you are. Um, so start from where you are consistency i can't hammer this one home enough consistency rather than trying to do too much too soon overtrain go too fast three to four times a week i don't know you know three four five k's each time six to eight weeks then add about 10 percent. build consistency do less go slower than you think you need to but do it consistency is key in anything strength and conditioning running um you know uh, running a business a lot of things doing things consistently and on a regular basis and um the, the number three is a tough one it, it's a it's a a split between discipline and happiness or, or joy the joy you get from it because at some point you're going to lose this motivation you're going to lose the inspiration you, you're you're going to say man this is just hard especially with injury and, and uh, other things that come up in life discipline is is okay i know what i've got to do and i'm just going to go and do it regardless of how i actually feel about it right now and that comes back to keeping it in the moment because then you're not thinking oh this just sucks you're actually okay i'm just doing this right now so discipline and then joy like obviously if if you're not happy doing it running after a period of time maybe it's not your thing like it's not everyone's thing go dancing instead go to the gym uh i don't know take up cycling go kayaking go rock climbing whatever spins your wheels and gets you active go do that um you know for me it's running for other people it's not so find that thing that brings you happiness in your life awesome what an answer to that question. That is, that is incredible. Um, and actually an incredible interview to listen to as well, Ian. I think it's, it's been an absolute pleasure to ask you questions and, and actually fire a lot of questions that I didn't know I was going to ask you um, beforehand as well, because uh, the way we went down that, that conversation was, was great. And you've given us some real insight there to, to the reality of what it is to be in the ultra running world 
on a day-to-day basis as well. So thanks for coming on the show. Uh, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And um, probably like sort of like a, a, a thing would, for good advice that I, I give myself every day is to keep it simple too. Keep it super simple. Most things don't matter. Most things are never going to happen that you think are that are super bad or whatever. Just like keep it super simple. Live in the moment and and, and love your life. That's it. One awesome little quote to finish with as well. Um, so if you're ever here in the UK and you're in Cambridge, um, yeah. I can definitely offer you a run and a cup of tea, but I can't I can't offer you any hills to run in because there are none here. But um, if you're ever in Cambridge, make sure you kind of hook us up and come and say hi and 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 have a lunch and a, and a run with us and our running club here because that would be it'd be great to meet you in person if you are here and um, oh, for sure, man. and you know I'm, i've got goals so maybe we'll end up in the same place sometime as well and we'll, we'll actually get to meet face to face but um for now ian i'd just like to say thanks very much really appreciate you coming on the show and if the guys want to follow your journey how, how can they do that yeah um probably easiest on instagram um at ian.morgan uh that's that's the best way to follow me i am still in the process of finishing my book so that's hopefully going to be out this year um so uh once that's out um i'll probably like set up a bit of a website -y thing to share some of these stories on as well um, but yeah, Instagram, Ian.Morgan, Facebook, I think it's just Ian Morgan. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Or Ian Morgan Ultra Runner. I'm not sure. Have a look, Ian Morgan on Facebook and, and you'll, you'll find me there anyway. Uh, yeah. And yeah, um, definitely keen to catch up when we come. We'll be in the UK actually a few times this year, so I'll, I'll send you a message. Yeah, no, that'd be cool. That'd be awesome. So, guys, I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I did. Um, and if you think there's any value in there for anyone that you know and they need to hear it, then send it over to them. Do share it with them. And obviously, if you could give us and you are listening on any platform, give us a rating and a review of the episode so people know what it is we're talking about and what it is we can do. But I hope you all enjoyed yourselves and I hope we can meet here again on the Ultra Running Podcast. Take care. Ciao.